0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Today on the Everything 80s podcast was Perfect Strangers, the perfect 1980s sitcom. Nothing to rearrange Sometimes you just Get a feeling like you need Some kind of change No matter what the odds are this time Nothing's gonna stand in my way This flame in my heart Like a long lost friend Came out around the middle of the decade, but would be a driving force behind the success of many other shows. Perfect Strangers was a sitcom that aired from 1986 to 1992. It featured cousins Larry and Balky living and working in Chicago. It would be a ratings hit, become part of ABC's TJF lineup, and lead to the spin off series of Family Matters. And we're looking at Perfect Strangers here today, one of my favorite shows of all time, possibly yours. Too. So before we get to that, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast. I should be there. Here we go. So as I said, one of my favorite shows, Perfect Strangers was required viewing in my house. It's not a kid's show per se, but it could still be watched by younger people. And, you know, it may have had sort of slightly inappropriate stuff, but it was still accessible to everyone. It made for the perfect family viewing experience, and it never took itself too seriously. Perfect Strangers had the ideal premise. It had a great duo, had an iconic 80s character in Balky Bartokomus. It also ran for longer than you probably realized, and helped set the stage for the famous TJF Friday night lineup. So let's look at the premise of Perfect Strangers. And it's kind of considered, now looking back on it, it's kind of like considered Borat light. You know, it's the simple premise of fish out of water, foreigner in a strange land, with the character of Balki Bartokomus. Fun fact, there was a Yakov Smirnoff show that came out in around the same time. It was sort of trying to capture this same premise that never really worked out. I'll cover that more in another episode. But it also combines elements of the classic odd couple trope of, you know, these two characters thrust together while having, you know, the show based in an apartment. Nothing super original. It's taking a lot of things that had worked before, but kind of, you know, a little bit of a different spin on it. So Balky has left his Mediterranean country of Mipos and is moving to America. He has a distant cousin named Larry Appleton, who is also making movies of his own from Wisconsin to Chicago. Larry is finally living on his own after growing up with a very large family. He's finally enjoying his own space when his distant cousin shows up at his apartment. The early years of the show centered around Balky being completely unfamiliar with American culture, and this always works well, it always has. You know, Again, that fish-out-of-water premise, not that it's necessarily been done to death, but they go to it so often because it works. You know, It's just seeing him trying to um, familiarize himself with all the new customs and all that, and it always works. He was, you know, a simple sheep farmer from Mipos, and he's trying to navigate his way in the strange new land. He's got his famous Dance of Joy. That would be debuted in the second episode of the first season. They had a lot of the character established pretty quickly. The premise also involves the fact that Larry works as a photographer for The Chronicle, and he's obviously apprehensive about Balky living with them. He decides that it's best for Balky to stay, and that he should take him under his wing to help him learn all about the new American culture. From there, it then you know, really quickly moves into the classic buddy sitcom, as Larry is just as incompetent as Balky, and it gets them stuck in... Many situations with Balky being the one who ultimately gets them out of it. And again, used forever all the way up into the like a lot of what you've seen on Friends has been borrowed, you know, from all these old style sitcoms. And Perfect Strangers really, I think I'd say, you know, perfected that formula. So let's look at the cast of the show. So Larry, Larry Appleton, would be played by Mark Lynn Baker. He did a lot of work on Broadway and also appeared in a lot of other classic 80s shows. Uh, He was on Full House. He's on Family Matters. He was on Step by Step. He was in Miami Vice. He was even on Sesame Street. Balky Bartokamus was played by the great Bronson Pinchot. So he appeared, uh, if you know your 80s movies, he was in Risky Business. And then he was in Beverly Hills Cop. And Beverly Hills Cop was the one that helped get him the role for Perfect Strangers. He's done a ton of TV work. He also ended up getting the main part on Step by Step. But when Bronson was first offered the role of Balky, he turned it down as he was already committed to another show where he was going to play a gay attorney. And this was going to be a pretty groundbreaking new series. The show was called Sarah, but it got canceled really quickly and it made him available to do Perfect Strangers. So another of the reasons he turned it down, and this is a weird sort of collaboration of uh, Hollywood meets television, is that Tom Cruise, of all people, said that he shouldn't do a sitcom. Uh, This obviously came about when the two were filming Risky Business, and Pinchot told US Magazine that Cruise even offered him money in order for him to avoid having to do television. It's like in the 80s even going to the 90s I and mean, I guess a little of this still exists today but there was this massive division between film and tv and you weren't seen as a serious actor or performer if you did television and I guess there was this snobbery of only movie actors and how would you sink so low to do television of course it's completely all turned around where Television is like the holy grail of where real actors and performers go. And then, you know, we've gotten this resurgence and, you know, what they call, say, the golden age of TV when you had shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead and all these amazing things that existed at the same time. And it continues now. So actors are probably like more shying away from movies and looking for a new Netflix series uh, or they want to be on HBO Max or um, you know, with Apple. They, they they know there's a better chance to be seen because, you know, fewer and fewer people are going to movies or they're only going to see big budget movies. It's just a way to have more of a continued legacy. There's a really good episode of 30 Rock where Jack Uh, They sort of poke light at this whole issue of how no one would ever do television and um, the referencing Alec Baldwin making the decision, you know, from being a serious film actor to going to do a sitcom. It's a really good episode. And, you know, people are always like Alec Baldwin will never do a TV series, but it's basically with TV, it's like a nine to five job and a lot of actors like that stability. So interesting side note that Tom Cruise would sort of insert himself in this whole ordeal and try and talk this guy to playing, you know, one of the most classic beloved sitcom characters of all time. Here are a few of the other main cast members of Perfect Strangers. So you had Melanie Wilson played Jennifer Lyons, that's Larry's girlfriend. She was also on Family Matters, Step by Step, also on the A-Team. Rebecca Arthur played Marianne Spencer, that was Balky's girlfriend. Belita Marino played Edwin uh, Twincacetti. She's been on the Golden Girls, Family Ties, Melrose Place. You know her as George Lopez's mother on The George Lopez Show. Ernie Sabella played Donald. He was uh, Leon Carosi on Saved by the Bell. You probably know him better as Pumbaa in The Lion King. Lisa Cutter played Susan Campbell. She's in a lot of other 80s classics like Matlock, MacGyver, 21 Jump Street, uh, Jake and the Fat Man, Murder, She Wrote. And Sam Anderson played Sam Gorpley. Also in a lot of classics like TJ Hooker, Hill Street Blues, The Golden Girls, Growing Planes. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) Growing Pains was also in Forrest Gump. So let's look at putting together Perfect Strangers. So you probably remember the name from the credits, but Perfect Strangers was produced by Miller Boyette Productions, along with Lorimar Television. The concept of the whole thing seems to come about, honestly, from the 1984 Summer Olympics. We'll get that whole fish out of water thing again. Dale McRaven, who helped create Mork and Mindy, put this show together with Tom Miller and Robert Boyette of Miller Boyette Productions. Miller claims that he noticed a real rise in patriotism after the Summer Olympics of 1984, which were held in Los Angeles. This got him thinking about an immigrant who would arrive in America and try to embrace the patriotism and culture that was happening at the time. So the concept seems pretty decent. But it would be turned down by pretty much every network, including ABC, CBS, NBC. In the 80s, there were really only three networks. Those networks were everything. So if you didn't get on board with them, you're pretty screwed. Um, what Again, what are you going to do? Go to Netflix? You're 30 years too early for that sort of thing. So you really had to stand out to even get considered a, a shot at even a pilot back in those days. Miller and Boyette didn't care as they knew they had a good idea on their hands. We would see this as well. You know, I mean, like I said, this has been, been done a million times. Crocodile Dundee is another great example of that, you know, fish out of water person coming to America and not knowing his new surroundings and everything. Um, So they know they have their good idea and now Bronson Pinchot is available and that he was sort of the key to this whole thing. Once they got him on board, they had to scramble to put together a pilot. And I never knew this, but Marklin Baker was never the first choice to play Larry. They had already gone with Louis Anderson. I don't know how that would have worked personally. ABC somehow was now on board. So they would start with just six episodes and they would be released mid-season. This would help it avoid getting lost with all the other new shows premiering earlier in the year. If you're depending on how old you are, you remember what a big deal the new television season was where you'd see all these new shows and you'd have to wait for them as opposed to now where everything is just sort of dumped on you all at once. The other crazy thing was due to this unorthodox release, they had to get the shows out in record time. Just three weeks after shooting their first scene, Perfect Strangers would be on TV. They then had to have shows done in as little as a week to get them out on time, which is a really quick turnaround, even for a sitcom. With the Rush pilot done, they realized Anderson wasn't cutting it as the cousin. Like, Keep in mind, they've been filming this whole thing um, without Marklin Baker. This is all Louis Anderson. Sort of the same way they shot a majority of Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz before bringing Marty McFly on. So they had to make some big decisions. So not only was ABC on board, but they were also offering them this amazingly good time slot on Tuesday nights between big time shows, who's the boss and moonlighting. You can't ask for a better time slot at the time. I'm not sure what changed their mind or what made them change their mind on this whole thing. But now the show had to really spring into action. Louis Anderson wasn't working. They, they, started putting some things together they decided on the name perfect strangers for the show that was going to work and now they're scrambling to find a new cousin larry they had seen lynn baker on moonlighting and his instant chemistry with pincho sealed the deal so now the show is ready like i said they're turning this out at like rapid pace if they don't have these things done they're screwed and now they release perfect strangers to the world Again, I'm not sure how old you are or if this was a popular show to you or if this is the first time you're hearing it, but Perfect Strangers was like required viewing when it came out. It was um, an immediate sort of sense you had to watch this show. It came out to great ratings because of this, immediately great ratings, and it was an easy show to get into, and that's another absolute necessity for sitcoms in the 80s. They need a very low barrier to entry. They need instantly identifiable characters, and then having a laugh track never hurt either, so you know exactly where you're supposed to be laughing. Um, That's the whole idea with a sitcom is they don't tend to follow long sort of Um, character arcs and seasonal arcs. You know, they they eventually do when they build an audience, but the idea is you should be able to jump in on any episode and know exactly what's going on. You don't necessarily have to know much of the backstory. Perfect Strangers first debuted on March 25th, 1986. This is a tough time to make a dent in the ratings, but Perfect Strangers was still able to do so. It started with just the six episodes, as I mentioned, and five of them made it into top... Sorry, five of them made it into the top 10 highest rated shows. That's how successful it was. A big help to this is the time slot. That was so key in 80s and 90s television, or what they call it like the lead in. And that can determine a lot of success of a show. I mean, the show has to stand up on its own, but the time slot definitely helped. And I think a big appeal for this whole thing and the immediate attachment to the show was the character of Balki. At least it was in my house anyway. He was a classic comedic outcast, which always resonates with audiences, especially families and kids. And it's a little more, a bit of some physical comedy, which always works well. Um, lovable, goofy. It's, it was all there immediately. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... So the first season, though, is pretty basic. Larry and Balky are working in a discount store that is beneath their apartment, if you remember back to what Perfect Strangers first started out as. Their boss is also their landlord, and they have an upstairs upstairs neighbor named Susan. In season two, they now had 22 episodes and a new time slot. Due to the success of those first six episodes, Perfect Strangers was now on at 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, right before head of the class, like the ultimate in time. This season sees Susan being phased out and a love interest for Larry brought in, and that is Jennifer. Balky also begins to date his girlfriend Mary Ann Spencer, and the show goes through some changes and evolutions. And you know, as all sitcoms do, going into the third season, Larry and Balky have now moved to a new apartment, with Balky getting his own room instead of sleeping on a pullout. And this is when you probably are more familiar with Perfect Strangers and the premise and everything. In the third season, it's, you know, finding its groove. Larry is now a reporter for the Chicago Chronicle and Balky works in the mailroom. And even the intro is changed to represent this, which i will get to in a sec. The third and fourth season is notable as we get introduced to a new character and a very significant one named Harriet Winslow, and she's an elevator operator in the building. She has a husband, husband, Carl Winslow, and the two of them move into the same apartment in the fourth season, and we'll get to a bit more of that in a second. In the third season, there was also another time slot change, um, just to point out. This time halfway through the season in March 1988, they moved Perfect Strangers from Wednesday to Friday. So this was interesting because it was already hit on Wednesday night, but ABC had some good foresight and the idea of lumping a bunch of very similar and very popular shows all together. Perfect Strangers would now go on on Friday night at 8 p.m. ahead of Full House, and this one-hour comedy block would help to create the iconic TGIF Friday night lineup, which would become absolute must-see viewing again depending on your age and where you grew up. This whole thing started with that hour block and moved into a night of marathon viewing and you did not want to risk missing, missing TGIF. That's how important this uh, Friday night thing was. By its seventh season, Perfect Strangers would be moved to Saturday nights which is absolute bizarre um, and usually is the death of any sort of TV show. There's no sitcoms on Saturday nights. The idea here was to try and spread the youth audience out over two consecutive days. They wanted to take over the entire weekend. And like I said, Saturday nights uh, is usually the kiss of death for a show. But it was a big night for adult-based sitcoms. And it was thought that moving Perfect Strangers there would help. It didn't. If, I don't know if you remember this, it was called I Love Saturday Night, and it was the companion to TGIF. Perfect Strangers would air with shows uh, like Growing Pains and, who, and Who's the Boss, but it killed their ratings. They would actually move Perfect Strangers back to Friday night for the eighth and final season, which would only be six episodes. So here's a little more on, you know, trying to completely capture all the youth market, um, you know, through TGIF and then trying to take over Saturday nights. They started to do this in seasons five and six. And I honestly did not remember Perfect Strangers lasted for eight seasons. I don't think I was probably watching as much by the end there. But they made some really big changes going into the fifth and sixth season. Like the Brady Bunch did with Cousin Oliver, if you remember that, Perfect Strangers would add a kid to the start of the sixth season. A new kid named Tess Holland, played by Allison Porter, she was in Parenthood, she was also in Curly Sue, she would become the new Upstairs Neighbour. Again, the idea behind this was to attract a younger audience with the addition of a new young character. ABC knew how important the emerging youth pre-teen demographic was becoming. And the hope was this can attract the same viewers that were watching shows like Full House. Again, as they go, you know, TGF becoming this like juggernaut of a night that was geared around youth and pre-teens. So Perfect Strangers is already a great family show, but the other idea of adding a kid is that it would help to seamlessly merge it into that new TGIF lineup. Again, this was a big experiment. They didn't know how it was going to work or if it would work. It obviously did, though. But the idea with the kid in the show never caught on. Porter was supposed to be on full-time but only appeared in a few episodes. They then dropped her out of nowhere and without any explanation why. Kind of like Judy Winslow. Remember her on Family Matters where she went up the stairs at the end of one season we just really never saw her again? So that actually leads perfectly into how Perfect Strangers help launch Family Matters. This was the other big change in the fifth and sixth season uh, was Harriet Winslow leaving for the spinoff called Family Matters that, of course, you know and love, too. She had been on the show for two seasons at this point, and she and her husband, Carl, were very well established. Family Matters is, again, another monster hit for ABC, and that would ultimately become the cornerstone of the TGIF lineup. By the time Steve Urkel joined the show, Family Matters became a pop culture phenomenon and would last for more seasons than Perfect Strangers did. We would never see Harriet on Perfect Strangers again, but there would be some crossover between the two shows. In one of the first episodes of Family Matters, Harriet explains how she had been fired from her job as an elevator elevator operator, but then became chief of security at the Chicago Chronicle. So, you know, (laughs) every sort of entity has its own universes. And um, I bet you didn't know there was an ABC universe, not unlike the MCU. There's even a crossover between Full House Family Matters, Family Matters step-by-step, step-by-step Full House, and Hanging with Mr. Cooper and Full House. They're all connected in some way and there is crossover performances. So with all the amazing things associated with Perfect Strangers, here's a few more reasons why I think it really is was the perfect 80s sitcom and I'll put it up against Family Ties which I think was always sort of the number one standard in family sitcoms but I think Perfect Strangers maybe edges it out either way they're both close so the first thing is it had the perfect theme song which you heard at the beginning of the show Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now was a standout song amongst many amazing theme songs of the 80s It's my personal favorite, and I always thought it had this very uplifting feel to it. Maybe you felt that too, or you're reminded of that feeling. It fits in perfectly with this era of 80s sitcoms because it was written by the same people who gave us the themes for Full House, Step by Step, and Family Matters. All those theme songs are sort of like blend pretty seamlessly together. Again, that really helped with setting the same tone for the TJF lineup. The writers were Jesse Frederick and Bennett Salvi, and it was performed by David Pomeranz. Pomeranz used to open for big acts like Rod Stewart, Billy Joel, even open for the Doors. He also wrote songs for John Denver and wrote It's Every One of Us, which is uh, from my favorite Christmas special ever, The Muppet Family Christmas. The theme song also plays into the changing opening credits which I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, of course, they changed over the course of the series. The first two seasons featured the full 90 second version of Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now. And the intro had shots of Larry leaving his family and Balky leaving Mepos on a horse cart, if you remember that. It also has the classic shot of the two main characters' images sliding together to meet in the middle of the screen, that classic, you know, 80s sitcom trope. If you want to see more and like the links to uh, the video and the opening credits? If you go to everything 80 slash perfect strangers, that's the show notes and the whole blog for this episode. For seasons three to eight, the theme song was cut down to 72 seconds, and we have the intro you probably remember best. and It starts with Larry and Balky on the back of that tour boat on the Chicago River. We now see them around Chicago, including scenes in front of Wrigley Field and other notable Chicago landmarks. So the next reason this is a perfect sitcom, it had perfect casting and perfect characters. And, you know, I mentioned how great the chemistry was between Lynn Baker and Show, and you can definitely see that on the screen. Again, it used that classic odd couple buddy sitcom sort of thing that we've seen in so many other classic TV shows. A good nod to this is when Larry and Balky uh, come up from the subway in the opening credits And you actually see the odd couple is playing on the Chicago theater. So that's them giving their tribute to what influenced their show. Where a lot of other shows in the eighties were all issue focused. Perfect Strangers was all about the characters, the humor and the situations. And that's what again, makes it a true situational comedy. These characters are also very relatable and many felt that Balky was like their own cousin. There was the you know both of them were like the perfect yin and yang with Balky being happy go lucky matched against the neuroticism of Larry. It also made it easy for the series to function, as um, you have to rely on a duo and not just one person who's forced to carry the show. It's been noted as having the same dynamic as, you know, probably the classic blueprint for a sitcom in The Honeymooners. And when you have that dynamic of Ed Norton and Ralph Cramden playing off each other between Jackie Gleason and Art Carney, that's where you create true like sitcom magic instead of one person having to be the absolute focal point. And, you know, Larry and Balky were even called the Ed and Ralph of the 1980s. It also captured some of that character-driven humor made famous on, say, like, I Love Lucy, another blueprint standard for modern um, sitcoms and shows. And it made a lot of use of the physical comedy, which is easily appealing to kids. Um, and that will draw them in no matter what. they, you know, Whether you don't understand the subject matter, you understand the physical humor. Again, another thing that would make Kramer so beloved and why Seinfeld is such a Again, probably the modern version of what perfect television comedy can be because you have this sort of deep, again, um, neuroses and, and focus on cerebral humor without getting too deep. But then it's got the absolute Atlantis, just wacky physical comedy of Kramer and it perfectly combines those twos and uh, two. And that's, I think what makes that such a standout Lucille ball herself was noted as being a fan of perfect strangers. She had been watching since early on and said in an interview in the Schenectady Gazette in 1986, that she loved those two guys and you can't get higher praise than that. The same article makes notes that part of the success of the show was that Pinchot and Lynn Baker were allowed to develop their characters and not be restricted by the writing. Um, They were, you know, good at their own improv comedy. And again, like uh, other forms of acting and stage and screen. And, you know, they were given the leeway, which a lot of other shows aren't where the characters are restricted and written into a box. And they were able to sort of flesh them out more. And I think that really helped too. Okay, we'll start winding it down here. So that to me is why Perfect Strangers was the perfect 80s sitcom. Again, you know, it took a lot of elements from those classic TV shows, had the perfect casting, and ultimately was accessible to a wide audience. It didn't take itself too seriously. It didn't have those very deep... Uh, on this very special episodes that you would see on shows like Webster, or different strokes, or Punky Brewster, or something like that, it was just about the the situations, the the situations that the characters found themselves in, the physical humor, and then the act of having to get yourself out of that sticky situation. And that's what I think led to success. It was always lighthearted where some of these sitcoms sometimes weren't again, like family matters went into some really deep issues. Perfect strangers is just like, screw it. We're not going to go with that. Seinfeld's famous for that. No hugging, no learning, um, approach they took, which a lot of shows did again, say like full house has that issue. Perfect strangers is just like, no, let's just make this lighthearted. Let's make this inoffensive, um, and it still had charm to it. Again, it helped lead the way to another beloved sitcom in Family Matters, and it helped lead the way for some of the biggest shows of the 80s and 90s. So that's Perfect Strangers. Before I go here, I want to talk about the thing I use called patreon.com, which is a way to support this show. And the fact that the podcast platform is a constantly growing and changing one which is good and you're obviously a fan fan of podcasts if you're listening to this one and you obviously probably listen to a bunch of others the problem is the industry has been really taken over by, you know, corporations, companies, uh, celebrities and and giant podcast networks. So it makes it tougher for independently produced shows like this to stand out. So by using Patreon.com, which I've talked about before on the show, it's a way for you to support the show, but get bonuses at the same time. So this is, you know, little support starting, you know, as little as like two bucks a month. But there are different tiers and with different support levels come the different rewards. So uh, example, as say the Boba Fett level, that comes with the Everything 80s podcast movie review show. So again, that's only for patrons. That's not stuff I put up on this main show. And again, it's just a way if you're a fan of shows like this, it's just a way to add that support and then obviously get something for it at the same time. So if you just, you want to learn more, just go to patreoncom slash 80. So P A T R E O com slash eight zero S. If you're listening on whatever it is, Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, wherever, wherever the description is, there'll also be a link just if you want to check out more, but I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode again. There's a million podcasts out there, actually more than a million, the last I just checked. So the fact you're listening to this one means a lot. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, again, wherever you're listening to this show. I will be back soon with a new episode. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later.